Susan Flory here from the Second Annual Longevity Forum in London, now joined by Dr. Nir Barzilai. He's the founding director of the Institute for Aging at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York. You run the world's biggest center for the study of the biology of aging, Nir. What are you up to now that we can all get excited about? So, you know, the thing that we have to realize is that aging has a biology. You know, we can see it. But what many of us don't know is this, this biology can be targeted. Aging can be uh, delayed. Aging can be stopped. E aging can be reversed in several ways. And we're going to make it more effectively in the future. So my institute is basically looking at the major hallmarks of aging and trying to understand the mechanism and design drugs that will be able to target aging and by that stop age-related diseases. Aging drives diseases. If we'll target aging, we'll prevent all diseases of aging. The thing is, for the general public that, that is completely ignorant of what's going on in this realm, you get people saying, oh, that's mucking around with Mother Nature. Stay away from that. Well, if this is, there, there are few issues here. First of all, if this is the case, we've been doing it all along. You know, life expectancy throughout history until the 1900 was like 25 to 35. We, we've done better. And, and indeed, we got to the age where now we're, we're called elderly, right? But, but we have done it already. The problem now is that those elderly after the age of 60 start to accumulating age-related diseases that we didn't really experience before because of our success. And they have the first disease and maybe it's not a pleasant disease and there's a treatment that might not be pleasant either and then a second disease, a third disease. So now we have three diseases and three treatments that have side effects and antagonistic to each other and this doesn't have to happen because actually just as we can lower cholesterol or blood pressure, we can also stop the process of aging and by that move everything away. So what specifically are you working on to stop the process? We're doing several things, but there are two important issues that I presented today. Uh, one is the fact that continuing on this example of cholesterol and blood pressure that are, you know, we treat them in order to prevent heart disease and stroke. What, what are we going, what are the biomarkers that we follow to show that we can actually target aging? That has been a unique problem that we're solving now together with uh, big data and artificial intelligence. And we're making progress so that we can a target aging and actually look if we're making an impact. And can this be done at an early age, a child, teenager, not until we see the walking wounded, for lack of a better phrase, of 60 plus and you start to pile on inflammatory disease, chronic diseases of aging, age-related disease? You know, aging starts intrauterine. Okay, and sometimes there's a genetic component that makes you age slow or fast. Um, but what is the, the appropriate age to target? 
we're going to figure it, it, it out. I think what we know that we have to take into account now is that it's never too late to target aging. So, uh, and we'll start there. We'll start at the age of 65, but that doesn't mean that we cannot do it before. Also, there might be different stages and def therefore different uh, treatment in different decades of life. So, for example, we have a drug that's called senolytic that kills aging cells because they do harm. And we don't accumulate them at our age. We accumulate them more later. So maybe that's a treatment later on. But there's another drug I'll talk about, metformin, that maybe the right time to take it is when you're 50 years old. And what so, would it do? Would it target the senescent zombie cells? Or is it just lowering your blood glucose Well, levels? metformin has some effect on, uh, on senescence. But the, uh, so the, the second thing we talk, uh, I talked about was the, really the challenge that aging is not considered a target or an indication by, in the United States, the Food and Drug Administration or any uh, other organization in the world that does regulation. And this is a major obstacle because if, if we have a drug and it's not approved, then the healthcare provider doesn't have to pay for it. And if the healthcare provider doesn't pay for this, the pharmaceuticals are not going to jump in and develop drugs, better drugs, combination of drugs to really make an impact. Well, this is the problem, isn't it? We, we have to get the political pitch right, and we're not there yet because the FDA and other regulators around the world are not going to step up and allow these things to be delivered to the masses because they're frightened of what the ramifications are of some of these things. I, I think uh, the FDA and regulation are just part of the problem. It starts more with the politicians. And the politicians don't really understand that what we're talking about is the economy, that we're talking about really longevity dividend. We're talking of the cost of if we delay age-related disease modestly, even two to three years, what is going to be the impact on the economy? And the United States is trillions and trillions of dollars. Um, in fact, we cannot afford not to do that, but the politicians haven't clicked on that. Well, as you were saying in your keynote, we need to adapt our language to make sure we're talking about extending health span and always frame it against a longevity dividend. So the policymakers can say, oh, saving money, I can sell that. Exactly. You said it better than me. Exactly what I meant. <laughs> That's very kind of you. In your keynote, you said there were three challenges to solve in the next few years. The theme of this year's forum is Longevity 2030. What we need to see, the small steps, the medium steps, the big steps, to have a little taste, a little slice of the longevity dividend by 2030? Uh, oh, oh, 2030 is, is long enough. I, I think we will see, uh, I think we'll see the dividend. Look, from a science perspective, we have things like giving metformin that maybe has this effect of two, three years. It's a generic drug that's very cheap, so nobody's going to be upset about, 
about the cost for taking that if we prevent disease by two, three years. But and is that though just again, sorry, but to pick up, I wasn't sure what you were saying about mighty metformin. Is it just to lower blood sugar levels? Oh, no, no, it has nothing to do with blood or not, not mainly with blood sugar. Because it's normally pre-diabetes, isn't it? No, it's diabetic. It's actually gift to diabetic. Unfortunately, only 3% of pre-diabetic are on metformin. But metformin is one of those drugs that when you looked at uh, every major disease, uh, people on metformin have much less of it, like 30% less of it. I'm talking about uh, cardiovascular disease and cancers and Alzheimer's and, and mortality even. Is, and this is from your laboratory? No, no. This is, this is studies that have been done in the last, you know, metformin has been around 60 years. And this, those studies have been done in the last 30 years and we're, we're followed up. So the experiment is already done. We just need to do it in the same people to show that in the same people we're going just to move health span by several years. So you need to show that it can be repurposed, show the FDA and other regulators that it can be repurposed to, for the delay of age-related diseases. Correct, correct. What do you see over the horizon from, from where you are? Um, you run the world's biggest center for the study of the biology of aging. What should we be really excited about? Yeah, so, so I, yeah, that's, that's the second part. So I said there are some low-hanging fruit. There are drugs that are in human use that need to be repurposed and can be very dramatically uh, influential. But, uh, you know, to be simple, I gave the example of a sperm of a 70-year-old and an egg of a 50-year-old woman that uh, the sperm can fertilize this egg and, and basically, you know, we have a, a baby on the way. And the baby is really a cluster of cells that are dividing. And at this stage, those clusters of cells do not remember anymore the age of the parents. They erase them. They start from zero, okay? We don't accumulate all the longevity in our family. Right. So we figured out how to do it in this example. And now we're working on how do we do it during life for the rest of the body? How can we erase the scratches of aging and basically stay young uh, or rejuvenate uh, often? But we're a long way from seeing that rolled out in any sort of a trial involving humans, aren't we? we? We are not far off from seeing applications in humans. There are biotechs that are doing that. So I'll give you an example. I'm, a, I'm involved with a, with a venture capital that's called Life Biosciences. And one of the, our companies, Iduna, is really doing the er, erasing the aging uh, from optic nerve that was crushed in mice in order to rejuvenate the nerve, and they do rejuvenate the nerve. And in fact, it's not only the nerve where they give it to animals that have a, a model of glaucoma, it uh, actually cures the glaucoma. In other words, we're going to see specific indication now. It's not the whole body, but it's starting to experiment with this ID very soon, and I'm talking about a year or two. So that's another good sell, easy sell to the public. If you can attack glaucoma or if you can manage to reverse macular degeneration, this is the way to actually get the public on board. 
Right, and but but you know, this is the challenge for for biotechs in our area. Aging is there's no indication yet, right? At least for the next five years until we're done with this study, and. If biotechs and venture capital don't have that much of a long way to wait. So we need to find those indications, and those indications are also the one that will fund our ultimate goal, which is to target aging, right? Uh, so we are finding those indications. On the other hand, I showed an example today of a drug that's repurposed from, from human studies. It's called an IGF receptor antibody. And the problem with that, we know that we increase the health span of animals and they live longer, but we cannot find a purpose for this drug now. You know, we don't have an indication of where it will fit back. Do you mean a purpose that would be palatable to the FDA or? Right, that is a, a current indication, just like the glaucoma or the macular degeneration or something like that. We don't have it now. And so we have to put it in, on, on back burner until there is going to be actually maybe a, an indication and then you can just do the study to show that it works. I, is that intrinsic growth hormone? You, or yes, intrinsic but, growth but factor? What we or? Need, right, it's, it's, well, it's insulin-like growth factor one that is a growth hormone really, much more than an insulin. And uh, what we do is we block the receptors because if you have less growth you can do better repair so if we stop that we have benefits of longevity in fact i have a centenarian study i have 700 centenarians and their families in my study and the most striking thing is that they have mutations functional mutation in this growth hormone axis the growth hormone the igf its receptor so this is a really good target uh, for us that we cannot realize at least now. A non-science question. How do we convince people feeling overwhelmed by the climate crisis, globalization, the general precarity these days of life and work to give even a small hoot about how to improve their chances of living healthy for longer? But, but you know, on the individual level, okay, all the elderly want to be healthy, okay? I, I, I don't think this is, if you ask the public, it's unfair question. It's like asking them, why are we treating any one of your diseases? Because there's climate change. Okay, for in the individual, uh, we worked hard throughout our lives. We are still working hard. We might even work longer than that. It's not fair to say, you know, you don't deserve better health. We want you to get sick and die. So on an individual level, I don't see the problem. Yet, what you're asking is not unusual, and, and we're asked. And part of the answer is those longevity dividends. It's actually going to be better for the economy. And then there's other answers that we're dealing with them now that are going to be developed in parallel. And by the way, all of it is in parallel. You know, whether retirement age should, uh, should change, whether, for example, you know, uh, not everybody retires, they keep working, so should they get social security? Uh, why should they if they're working? On the other hand, 
if people are not working getting social security, it's not right not to pay the ones who are working. There are lots of issues that have to be weighed and, and discussed on a social level and retirement age and all that in order to come together. But let me tell you, I, in my mind, I don't think about retirement and very few professors are thinking about retirements. We all pretty much work as long as our uh, brain works and it's usually to the 80s. Uh, so retirement is not something that I really think about, although I'm 64 and you know, it's pretty much the age. This is ridiculous. That um, was the old one. We were getting rid of that model of life, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. It's multi-stage now. We don't just retire and expire soon right. after we retire. Right, right. Some of the biggest brains in the longevity space, uh, science, social scientists are here at the forum. How are you enjoying it? Oh, that's terrific. Look, those meetings are becoming bigger and bigger. We get people we didn't used to get before. We get the investors who realize, oops, that's the next stage. You know, we should be ready. We get more of the of the news people to that. We get people who are doing podcasts to, <laughs> to, to, to be here. Um, we get more lay people who are coming in. And in other words, what I'm telling you is that there is a wave. Okay, we're catching a wave. Yeah, I liked how you phrased it in your keynote. You said, we're catching a wave now. You wouldn't have thought 10 years ago, would you, that we'd be here by now, where it's, get, it's going mainstream. Well, yes, I did. <laughs> I did too. Yes, I did. You know, I, I think 10 years ago is when we moved from hope. When I, when I started this research, it was 30 years ago. But when, when we moved 10 years ago, it was from hope to promise. And now it's about realizing the promise. And, and I said also something uh, that uh, I heard not long ago. It's about, uh, Bill Gates said that, that we are overestimating what we can achieve in two years, which I over, always did, <laughs> and underestimating what we can achieve in 10 years. And I think, yes, the timeline is very frustrating to us. We still don't get it why people don't get it. <laughs> but but it's a, a big wave that will turn into tsunami. I don't know exactly when, but it will turn into tsunami. And people will benefit from that. And government will benefit from it. And it will change how people age and die. It's definitely the burning issue of our times, along with climate change. Absolutely. Uh, uh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, just fascinating speaking with you. Nir Barzilai, founding director of the Institute for Aging at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York. Again, thank you. Pleasure.